Covered in Glory is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it, must be 21 years or older. to cover in glory where we are through to the knockout rounds brett it is hard to believe that there are 48 games in the rear view behind us and only 15 games remaining after over 200 nations attempted to win the world cup at the beginning of qualifying we are down to the final 16 and as we talked about uh, at length on our show on Wednesday, the United States of America is one of them. Today's show is not going to be a USA focus because that's what we uh, really gorged on earlier in the week. We're going to cover the other seven games, but I wanted to bring it up one more time because it feels so gosh darn good to be going on when teams like Germany and Uruguay and Belgium are going home. Yeah, I mean, this last week, too, has just been... Awesome. Uh, I mean, it's it, a part of the, I think why it's felt like it's moved back, so, moved by so fast for me is just like this, the back-to-back matches like <laughs> that have been so incredible and getting grossed. And then all of a sudden it's just like, Oh wait, it's Thursday. <laughs> so yeah. um, it, it's been really good. It's really picked up steam. I'm, I, I guess it's probably, I'm going to take some credit for jinxing it and saying, Oh, things have been really chalky and kind of boring and what we mostly expected. And then things went off the rails. <laughs> Yeah, the the last four days have been some of the most fun sport experience I've ever had. Like, obviously, it starts with America winning, which is uh, a life highlight from the elation I felt. But like the the drama of these simultaneous matches, where teams are going in and going out, and what's happening in the other game is directly affecting the uh, style of play on the other screen next to you. You know, like. Hundred, well, it would usually be thousands of miles apart, but now it's just like down the street in, in Qatar. But it's just wild to watch how things have to be so fluid and flip back and forth between the games because like one team goes home, one team stays, and it's just the next goal determines that. I think the most fun three minutes of the entire tournament was the three minutes when it was going to be Costa Rica going through and Spain and Germany going home. It was just so awesome to experience so much drama. Yeah. I mean, to steal a, to steal a quote from a very wise prophet that I do the show with. um, So glad FIFA wants to get rid of all this. (laughs) Yeah. In their infinite wisdom, they're taking the world's most perfect sporting event and saying, yeah, Let's change it. Uh, it's like, no, just do this, guys. Just like stop messing with it. If you want to go to 12 groups of four and give me, you know, four more uh, groups that are going to go through this exact same experience and you want to increase the pleasurable uh, you know, nature of the competition, then that's awesome. But instead, they're just going to completely eradicate it and make it far more random with an extra knockout round and none of the drama that we just watched. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm definitely going to be looking forward to sacrificing this so like Andorra can, uh, lose two matches in the group stages <laughs> yeah or you know argentina goes home because they got shocked in the first round and didn't have a chance to climb back in and you know now they're the second favorite in the tournament and they deserve to be after putting together such a quality squad and fighting their way through three years of qualification like 
Uh, I, all right, we're rabbit hole. Uh, we are. I'm we are, stop yeah. there. We, I've got I've got four years to talk about how much I hate FIFA, but I only have another week and a half or so of talking about how much I love the World Cup. So uh, we're going to cover the other seven knockout games besides uh, America. We're going to do our five pint. But before we jump into the to the individual matchups, uh, Brett, I want to just take a moment, pull back, look at the the forest through the trees, and talk about the most likely winner of the competition. With only sixteen teams remaining, here are the odds. Brazil is plus 225, Argentina is plus 450, France is plus 500, Spain is plus 650, England is plus 900, Portugal is plus 1200, the Netherlands is plus 1800, uh, Croatia is plus 3500, USA is plus 9000, I'm only throwing them in there among the long shots so I can't uh, be shamed by not reading them, but everybody else is 6500 or more. So when you hear those numbers, Brett, are you still on Brazil at the favorites, or is there another number that represents better value to you? Well, now that the bracket's out, I, I mean, I still think Brazil is the best team in the tournament, should be looked at as the favorite. Um, I think the Argentina number is still good uh, because now that uh, Scalani has figured out that Enzo uh, Fernandez should be playing in the midfield, has helped them a lot. But France at a plus 500, um, just kind of coming clean where they don't have Argentina or Brazil in front of them to get to the final. That is the one that jumps out at me now. Now that we're yep. now that we're all set, that is the one that really seems like the best value. Yeah, we're exactly aligned. I mean, I think Brazil is still the most likely team to win it, but at plus 225, I think you'd be better off just betting them game to game. Like bet them, uh, find a creative way to bet them to win in each of the four times, and you're not gonna get that much worse value than plus two twenty five. Plus, you have you know different ways to profit take along the way and hedge and do all sorts of fun stuff. Um, France, I think, is pretty far and away the second best team in this tournament, and I think a Brazil France like matchup would be very close close to a coin flip. So if you look at it that way, and I think they are the two best teams, I think they're both clearly better than Argentina, Spain, and England. Um, I think that would be just a final for the ages, which you know doesn't mean we're guaranteed to get it. But if we did get it, I'd like France to win it, even against Brazil. Uh, you'd have a good chance to hedge, and I'd much rather have France at plus 500 than Brazil at plus 225. Yeah, 100%. I mean, and just because of the fact that uh, I just think that Argentina looms is a very legitimate threat to knock out Brazil before they get to the final. Um, they are the the third best team in this tournament, in my opinion. And for France, it's like, who do you really trust to do that? Like, to really, you know, obviously it's soccer, it's random, things can happen. Germany is going home despite being <laughs> the expected goal differential leader. But, like, do you trust Spain to beat France? Do you trust England to beat France? Like, is it going to be Portugal or Switzerland? Like, there, none of those teams really strike fear in me that, like, they're going to be able to upend uh, France unless they get incredibly lucky. It really does feel like, though, we're looking at a South American semifinals. Like, yeah. the way the pathway set up, Argentina, if, if they get the win uh, this time around, they'll get the Netherlands-USA winner. And then Brazil gets what? I, it's Croatia-Japan, right? Yeah. Um, so I think the odds of us seeing a rematch of the Continental Championship down in South America in the semifinals and an even higher state game are incredibly high. I, Anything can happen, but I think it's unlikely that either of those teams get upended before their date with destiny. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I, I mean, and really, if, if that ends up being the case, we will be incredibly lucky as well. Those will be some titanic matches if we end up seeing Brazil and Argentina and then France and Brazil in the final. 
Yeah. And a team like Croatia that's plus 3,500 that looks like a fun bet. And they obviously were the finalists last time. And you would have been very happy to be holding that ticket because you would have had all sorts of opportunity to hedge and, and things like that. But as we're going to talk about today, you don't even like them to get out of this round. So I'm not sure I would take any ticket that was greater than that was like a, a four digit ticket. Like England at plus 900 is about as far as I would stretch. Um, Portugal plus 1200, maybe you could talk me into, but it would take a couple of drinks first. And nobody <laughs> else even has a shot. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's like, it, it, I think the value goes out the window after the top three. I think you're, you're betting Brazil because of the clear odds on favorite and they probably win this somewhere around 35, 40, 50% of the time, depending on, you know, how you model it. And then, you know, Argentina and France be the next best value bets. Other than that, I think you're just more mostly having fun, just trying to bet a long shot. You're not actually hunting value. Yeah. I mean, once you get up to 50%, Brazil does actually uh, get value. But I mean, given there's four games left, even if it does look like a cakewalk to the semis, I still think like 30 to 35% is closer. It just means you're getting true odds. But we talked about this at the beginning of the tournament, like Brazil at plus 450 to start the tournament, we thought was the best value on the board because we thought they would win this tournament yeah. 20, 25% of the time. And now that we expected them to get through the knockout round. Uh, they got a little bit of a break with their, their path to the semi. So now I think they're up to 30 to 35, but I don't think they're quite to 50 or anything like that yet. Yeah, I mean, to to me, though, the, the big thing that, you know, people need to remember, too, is that they'll probably look at maybe a, a loss to Cameroon um, or for Tunisia with France. It's like some sign of vulnerability. You got to remember the squads are heavily rotated. Those matches really didn't mean anything to either um, uh, either country. So, like, I wouldn't even hold those things as like some proof that they have these like flaws. That somebody can maybe poke at in the knockout rounds. Um, those are very unique one-off things. And then Argentina is just interesting because they decided to play their mes- best midfielder and let Messi do the things that Messi does well. So um, good job on management to clear that low bar for Argentina. But uh, again, I, I, I'm hoping that, that we, that in this scenario, we kind of get the chalky outcomes because I think those matches will be iconic. Yeah, and Spain had an opportunity to go out, um, but you know it was a pretty long shot, even though for three minutes, you know that long shot was coming through. Uh, so if you take Brazil, Portugal, France, and Spain, Kevin Hench texted me before the show. Those those four teams went zero for four in the third game of group, uh, just showing that you know in some ways those games we just have to kind of delete from our brains and think about what we saw. Not just historically, but what we saw in the first two matchups, much more than we see France losing to Tunisia, Brazil losing to Cameroon. Yeah, and, and again, the Spain loss to Japan was probably one that was more different and worrisome because they did have something to play for, um, and I thought they started probably their best eleven in that match. So that one, I think, is a data point that you do want to take into consideration when you're making your futures bets. The France and Brazil ones, especially given that Brazil basically lost a completely lopsided match against Cameroon with their B team. Uh, that one you can definitely just delete from your memory bank. Yeah. And that's the ticket we would both most like to have right now is France plus 500. So, 100%. Uh, so uh, given that we're in agreement there, let's not spend any more time on it. Let's get into the individual games. We're going to go in chronological order. Of course, the first game is the United States of America versus Netherlands. Uh, 10 a.m. tomorrow, 9 a.m. Central. Make sure that you are in front of a TV for that. I'm sure I'll say that at least five more times on this podcast. But after the main event, we're going to get to the undercard and the reverse of the way it usually works. And we're going to start with Argentina versus Australia. This game is Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern. 
Argentina is minus 510. Australia is plus 1500. The draw is plus 525. And here's where I have to stop and remind all of our friends who are gambling on this game. The reason we still give out a draw is all the numbers that we're going to give out are after 90 minutes. That's the way they're set up on betting sites. I know it's a little bit counterintuitive for a knockout tournament to see the words draw up there or think about the other bets that you're going to take. But unlike something like the NFL where overs include overtime, they almost every betting site is primarily posting 90-minute results. Um, Argentina minus a goal and a half, if you want to adjust it a little bit, is minus 150. Australia is plus 120. They do post, however, and I will read this for each match, to qualify odds. So if you want to throw out all the dynamics and just say, hey, I think they're going to advance – uh, to qualify, Argentina is minus 1,400, and Australia is plus 650. So, Brent, to me, this isn't uh, – I'm going to be emotionally spent either way, uh, and I'm still obviously going to watch this because it's the World Cup and it's a knockout round and every game is a gift. Uh, but our, Australia was 0-3 on XG in group play. I'm so happy for the soccer ruse that that nation got to come together and celebrate for once. I mean, I don't think that they do much celebrating down there. I hope they uh, – discovered you know alcohol and and uh things like that for the very first time and really had a what, what is it called partying i don't think australia knows much about that so i'm glad they had their moment i'm glad they got to do it uh, i also think it's the last time it's going to happen for this world cup they they didn't look great in, in group play uh they did get the two wins which you know outstanding for them as i'm saying i'm, I'm glad our friends down there got to celebrate um but only one of the three teams they played were a talented attacking side, and it was France, and they were destroyed. I think we see something similar here. I like Argentina on the adjusted number. I think they run Rothschild over uh, Australia. If goal differential like meant anything, I would be betting even harder on the overs. I'd be looking at like three, four, five goals. But since any win is good enough here, I'm just going to take them on the minus goal and a half and minus 150. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm with you, um, but we don't have the the full updated XG differential here from the group stages because we have matches just today and football reference, which is kind of our go to hasn't updated yet. But basically, um, XG difference per 90, Australia was tied for a second or for second last um, only ahead of Costa Rica, who got absolutely throttled by Germany. Um, and I mean, it, the thing about that group is it, it turned out in hindsight to be incredibly weak outside of France. Like Tunisia was not very impressive. Uh, Denmark had probably one of the most disappointing world. I mean, I don't know, maybe this is just my opinion. Toby you can jump in here. I thought Denmark was incredibly disappointing in this world cup. Um, oh, yeah. and so that, that they were that thoroughly outplayed in such a mediocre group. Um, cool story that they got through the fun part about soccer is that lucky random things can happen. Uh, obviously that wild scene, if people were seeing the videos of them partying at like 3am in Australia with red smoke and flares going off. I think I saw someone comment. It looks like the battle of Helm's deep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I think the story part is cool. I do think that the slipper kind of, uh, or they're going to, they're going to be the ones that turn back into the pumpkin here. Um, I'm with you adjusted line minus one and a half. Um, I also, you know, we, we joke all the time. Uh, XG comes for everybody except Messi. So Messi and Mbappe lead the tournament so far and expected goals uh, from the chances that they've had. Messi is underperforming his XG right now, Toby. So that yeah. one, minus 162 for him is an anytime goal store might have value. Um, and if you think there's going to be goals against Australia, which there is, he is still by far the best bet 
to score for Argentina. So even if that number looks bad, I still think it's messy. I am very actually interested in that line. Yeah, uh, you're the you're the number geek here, but I imagine that that XG and underperformance has at least a little bit to do with a mixed a missed penalty. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Because that's that's gonna crank that XG up, and it didn't go in. And the reason that's top of mind for me is it's the reason you won the five pint in November. If Messi converted that penalty, I would have won. So I feel pretty damn good about my process. If it comes down to a Messi penalty, yeah. uh, I'm gonna like my odds more often than not. But Hey, football is fluky, and you're a fluke to beat me, so here we go. Uh, but getting that bitterness out of the way, I agree with you, and I would actually put the two of them to, together to get some better odds. And so uh, Messi is, as you said, uh, minus 160, minus 165, somewhere around there on the anytime line. But if you take Messi together with Argentina to win, you can get that down to minus 125. So if you're going to play Messi on the anytime line and you're as confident in Argentina as Brett and I are, I would put them together, take it down to 125 and find a good way to adjust both the Argentina money line and the Messi anytime at the same time. Yeah, that's a great bet. It's actually one that I I thought very long and hard about doing for my five pint, but as you can see, it didn't quite make it in. Cool. All right. Well, speaking of uh, making it in, Poland somehow made it into the <laughs> knockout round, and they're going to take on France Sunday at 10 a.m. Eastern. France is minus 360. Poland is plus 1,100. The draw is plus 410. France minus a goal and a half is minus 120. Poland is minus 110. Uh, those numbers to qualify, if you want to take everything, all the noise out of it, France is minus 900. Poland is plus 500. So even from this introduction and anybody who's listened to us thus far in the World Cup knows how little I think of Poland, uh, Lewandowski gives them a puncher's chance, but it's going to have to be one hell of a punch against this incredible French team. Um, the French took, you know, we already talked about it in the futures. I think they're pretty clearly the second best team in the tournament. Their mystique took a bit of a hit with the freak loss to Tunisia. But as we've already said, we think you should memory wipe that one out and just focus on how imperious they looked in the first two games. Um, the first two games had much higher stakes and they were, they were awesome. I mean, there's so much fun to watch. As we've said before, Pogba and Conte are missed, but not missed nearly as much as I thought they would be before the tournament. And Bappe has been absolutely excellent. Uh, if France wins this tournament, then this will be remembered, you know, as the cup of Mbappe overall, along with some amazing moments along the way. And I think they have been extremely impressive. Argentina, when they played Poland, they absolutely blew them off the pitch. And I think France is about to do the same thing. So I like Mbappe as an anytime goal scorer at minus 120. And I like France on the adjusted line at minus 1.5 at minus 120 as well. And both of them are some of my favorite bets in the entire round. Yeah, I I mean, I I have the adjusted line uh, minus 2.5 for that plus 240 number for the match. But the guy that is the forgotten man here. Usman Dembele. Uh, he's the dude opposite Mbappe, who is also a freak talent um, that's under 24 here. Uh, he leads the team and passes into the penalty area. So there are uh, stats like expected assists, um, which essentially just kind of measure basically the, the actual passes that lead to a shot attempt by using like the same data that expected goals to. But passes into the penalty area kind of lets you know like who is actually picking out the passes that lead into the dangerous area, into the box the most. And that's Dembele. Um, and, and, and if you think about it, just from like a standpoint, 
when that dude picks up the ball on the right wing, he's got Griezmann, Giroud, and Mbappe to aim for in the box. He's only plus 150 for an assist. Um, yeah. So I am going to take that all day. They are going to create a ton of chances. Dembele running at the at these Polish defenders is going to be just a nightmare for them. Um, so the fact that it's only plus 150 for the guy that's going to have three pretty talented goal scorers to pick out every time he touches the ball in the right wing seems really, 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 really low. I had it as like maybe plus 110, plus 125. Um, so I'm pretty happy to get that number all the way up to plus 150. Yeah, so... Uh, if you're looking like, you know, the, the monkey chart where we look at evolution and it goes from like monkey to man, uh, like you are man, when it comes to soccer expertise, you study all the numbers, you watch all the games, uh, you're one of the best thinkers in the entire space that I know, or anybody knows that there is, I'm somewhere, you know, a couple evolutions below that. Like maybe I'm, I'm up on two feet, but I'm still hunched over. Uh, one thing I like about the World Cup is there's an, I'm watching with people who watch even less than I do and know even less than I do. And so they're further down the chart. Like they're still digging in the dirt on all fours. And I think it's always interesting when I talk to my friends who are in that space of like watching them say, ooh, who's that guy? You know, and it's like when they watch uh, a couple of my friends, when they watch Dembele, they're like, oh, who is that guy? Because he's so fast and he's so skilled and he's so good. And when you don't have the context of watching him fail out of Barca, you don't have uh, some of the other context of his flaws. Just he kind of grabs your eye when you take the pitch. And I always kind of take note of the of the who are the ooh that guy of the tournament for people that don't watch very often. And, and, one of well, them. and really too with Dembele, like we're all kind of like, oh yeah, like even the guys who, who have watched soccer a lot, like, you know, you and I, he's been hurt so much that, you know, we kind of forgot about him since that huge breakout at Dortmund, right? Like he yeah. really has disappeared off the map because he's been constantly injured and hurt. And then, you know, even when he's been on the pitch before this last little stretch here, um, he just faded from our memory banks. And so it is, I think it's kind of like a, Oh yeah. Like moment for everybody. Like, yeah, we were really excited about this dude and now he's healthy and look what he's doing and look how much fun it is when he's playing with this other guy. That's incredible. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love the fact that there's like a, Ooh, that guy, but even for you and I, I think it's like a reminder, like, Holy crap, this dude is really good. Yeah. I mean, it'd be a fun list to put together in, in one of our other shows, but uh, as we drooled over him, I think another guy who's like that is Tyler Adams. If you don't actually know the expectations beforehand and you don't know that he plays for Leeds and not for Real Madrid and you watch him play, you're like, oh, my God, who the heck is that? So it's just kind of a fun way. Like if you watch way too much of this and you're way too deep into it, it's fun to like get back into talk to somebody who doesn't do it every time and see who they really gravitate to. Yeah. Also, uh, Tyler Adams plays for Leeds. So if you're looking for Premier League fandom after this World Cup and just started listening to us, go watch Leeds. Go support Leeds. Yeah. They got Brandon yeah, Harrison too. So and an American manager. So yeah. I I've been accused of being anti-American in the past, which is pretty rich coming from Brett. Uh, because <laughs> I don't like Leeds as much as he does. But you know, after seeing Tyler Adams in this tournament, if he takes this form back into the Premier League, then uh, I'm gonna be betting on a lot of Leeds matches. Yeah. Uh, so we, let's talk about one more match before we take a break that you can bet on now and not a month from now. And that would be England. At minus 195, Senegal at plus 600, the draw at plus 290. This game is the Sunday afternoon, 2 p.m. 
EST. Our friends at Caesars have England uh, minus half a goal at minus 190, Senegal at plus 150 if you want what's called the double chance for Senegal to either tie or win in the, in the regulation. Uh, to qualify, England is minus 450, Senegal is plus 300. So, Brett, of, of the seven games, uh, I think this was one of the hardest ones to handicap for me. I agree. As much as I made, as much as I made fun of King George Cormenis over there, <laughs> I actually am an England fan. Um, but it's hard not to be a little skeptical after watching Gareth Southgate operate in the group stage. Like he's he's loose and he's out in the wild and he's doing all the things we feared he was going to do. And I don't think it's to England's benefit. I think it's directly to their detriment. Um, and to me, Senegal, even without Mane, and particularly actually without Mane, they can't rely as much on some kind of offensive firepower. So they're a bit similar to the USA and that they have become a really strong, compact defensive team that frustrates their opponents. And then they're just trying to find a way to a goal via pure will. And as we saw with the United States, uh, pure will is something England struggles with. So while I do think I do in my heart think that England does find some way to advance here and set up a match against France. I just don't like their number whatsoever. Like I don't like them at minus one ninety five to find that way when it's not clear in my brain how it's going to happen. So whenever that's going to happen to me, just as a as a matter of numbers, I prefer Senegal on that double chance at the ninety minute mark. Uh, find a way to scratch it out one zero or take it to extra time at nil nil or one one. Yeah, I was I was there initially when I saw the line. I ended up taking the regular England money line or gravitating towards that. And and here's here's my reason. I think that that Senegal's numbers are a little bit inflated mostly because they what they get against Ecuador and what they did against Ecuador is not going to be the same thing that they're going to be able to do against England because what they did was is Malasar uh just absolutely cook Angelo Preciado on the right back for Ecuador and yeah. create a ton of chances. Obviously, he drew the pen. Um, I that's not going to happen against Kyle Walker. Um, it's just not going to. And and Sar is kind of Senegal's guy without money out. So the reason I just kept going towards England, and believe me, I have a lot of reservations. Um, and most of them are Southgate is going to lean on Sterling and Kane. And both Kane looks like zombie Harry Kane right now. And Sterling looks like he is on the very downward slope of his career at this point. Um, I I'm not super thrilled to take the England money line, but it's just, it's more of, I'm trying to think like, is bull idea going to be the guy that gets the goal? Like who, where does the goal come from? Um, and, and I don't think Senegal is that good defensively that they're going to be able to hold on, uh, hold off England for 90 minutes. So that's eventually how I got to kind of swallowing hard and holding my nose and taking me in the money line. Um, but I, I, I do think well, with that. I, I would like to remind you before you give your prop bet that a team that starts a 35 year old Tim Ream and uh, Walker Zimmerman just also held them to nil. So Senegal doesn't have to be that good to keep England from scoring. Well, and I guess the U.S. does have the American address again. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it is. Uh, it's again, it's not going to be that big of a feat. I do think that that Senegal's defense in general, their defending hasn't been as airtight as we've seen from the U S which has been 
relatively impressive. Um, I mean, because there isn't a, a Jonas Musa next to Adrissa Gay in the in the Senegal uh, midfield. So, well, I I do not like doing this for a prop bet typically, but because I don't trust England to score multiple goals, and because I struggle to see Senegal getting any that one zero exact scoreline of plus four thirty. The weight of that score being the final number to me, it just eats up so much of the probabilities of, of where this yeah. match ends. And at plus 430, that seems real high for something that I think is a third of the outcome chances here. So that's an excellent that's an excellent bet. I, I like that shout quite a bit. Yeah. Um my prop is in like a similar mindset that this is just gonna be a really tight game. And I took Senegal to win either half. I at plus 280. That's an interesting one, yeah. So if I don't think England's going to score in both halves, and so now I'm getting plus 280 that Senegal could eke out a goal in the half that they blink England. Uh, and if I'm wrong, like England like turns this into a, uh, a route, then you can still get Senegal in a consolation. Like if it's 2-3 in the first half, Senegal can win 1-0 in the second half. So getting two bites at the apple and getting almost 3-1 to one odds in a game where like any bounce of the ball can happen and we don't expect a lot of goals in the first place just seemed seem like really good value to me. Yeah, and I mean, the, the thing that's that uh, I think this match would have been so much easier, I think, for us to kind of handicap a little bit too. Although you brought up this point on Spotify Live, they have Sadio Mane, they're probably getting out of group first and this matchup isn't happening. But... If Mane is here, I feel like you and I are both exactly on the same page. I would be all in on cynical half bets for sure if Mane is playing. Um, and I definitely would have went to where you were with your regular pick of um, the draw no bet. So, like, yeah, I, I it's just kind of a bummer. Like, I don't, like, I don't, I, I don't want to be like a downer because it's like still going to be a fun, tense, probably knockout round match. Um, but this one was tough. It would have been fun to do this with Mane involved, but I. I do like kind of everything where we went and I could see a lot of different variations within everything we've talked about hitting. Yeah. It, uh, it will be extraordinarily nerve wracking overseas at the UK. If this thing goes to penalties after Mendy was able to win the AFCON for Senegal in the uh, penalty round, Mendy is the Sen- Senegal goalkeeper and England has a very tough history to say the least of penalties in major competitions. Well, hopefully they so. ban the laser pointers in Qatar here. So that, <laughs> that definitely helped uh, our, your boy Eduardo out a little bit. Yeah, more than a little bit. Okay, uh, that covers three of the games. We got four more to go. So let's take a quick break, and then we'll be back with Japan and Croatia. Your first bet with Caesars Sportsbook and Casino. It's on Caesars up to $1,250. Download the app with promo code C-Z-R-F-U-L-L and place your first bet. If you win, congrats. If you don't, you'll get it all back as a free bet. That first bet also gives you 1,000 tier credits and 1,000 reward credits, putting you closer to the types of perks Only Caesars can offer free stays, game tickets, experiences, and more. You must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ontario, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, and Washington, D.C. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, 
Ohio and Utah and other states where prohibited. Yes, you have to know when to stop before you start. If you have a gambling problem in Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Virginia, West Virginia, or Pennsylvania, or if you know someone who has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or in Maryland, visit MarylandGamblingNDGamblingHelp.org or West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net, Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP, Colorado, D.C., Nevada, Wyoming, Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700, Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT, Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. That's 467-369. Or text C-O-N-N-E-X to 247-247. Tennessee, call or text Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right. We are back and we are back with America's new sweetheart, Japan versus Croatia. Monday at 10 a.m. Eastern. Croatia is plus 107. Japan is plus 275. The draw is plus 220. Croatia minus half a goal is plus 100. Japan is minus 130. Uh, Caesars has to qualify Croatia at minus 200, Japan at plus 150. So I think this might be by the odds the expected closest matchup of the um, of the round of 16 here. And Brett, I know you have pretty strong opinions on this game, so I'm actually going to let you go first on this one. All right. Well, let, let me just say that we we have mentioned this. Uh, I love how we just refer back to how brilliant we are on this pod, Toby. But we have talked a lot about how subs can change games, how they impact matches, how they tend to score at a way higher rate. No team in this tournament has subbed more aggressively than Japan has. Uh, They have brought on somebody at halftime in every single match that they've played. I do not see that trend stopping. It has led to this constant rotation where players are, are really fresh, um, where the team is constantly throwing out waves of new fresh attackers Um, It's why they've probably come from behind in both of these matches, which has been pretty crazy given the caliber of the teams that they've come from behind. Um, Uh, Just just throwing out just how crazy that is for the audience. I believe I saw a stat that uh, a team has only come from behind at halftime twice in the group stage in the history of the World Cup, like twice before. And I only think it was the group stage. I think it was the entire World Cup because it was like Brazil in like 38 and then Germany on one of their random runs. That's the only time this has ever happened. 
Yeah, and I think I saw. Uh, I think on Twitter they had a stat too that they're the only the only team that is responsible for beating two teams that are over seven hundred passes um, and still come from behind to beat them. So it, what yeah. we saw in this group stage, uh, the Germany win was a little uh, a little fluky. Um, let's you know be honest about that one. But the Spain one was not. The expected goal differential was fairly even. That match probably ends in a draw more often than not, but it still was a very even match, which is concerning for Spain. And I think speaks volume to this approach that Japan is taking with these aggressive substitution, this constant rotation of new and fresh players in. And I mean, I don't know about you, but like this world cup, it seems to me uh, so early on seeing these players just absolutely exhausted. These games getting really open at the end because players are gassed. Like, this is pushing Japan to a different level. And the difference between the team they are playing in Croatia and them right now is so stark. So let's go look. We'll take a look thing, uh, a look through the Croatia's lineup and their minutes played. So Brozovic, who plays at the base of their midfield, has played all 270 minutes so far. Luka Modric, who's 37, has played 265 of the available 270 minutes. Uh, then you have Ivan Perisic, who's played 264 of the available 270 minutes. And then your boy Kova has played 252 of the available 270 minutes. That is the heart and soul of Croatia. And these guys just had to grind it out through the group stage. And they got absolutely stomped in the second half chance wise against Belgium. And that was a match where they were throwing everything to make sure they survived in advance. You are, so you are going against a team that is fresh, that is a bunch of players that have played very limited minutes because of the aggressive subbing and rotation that they've been doing versus a team that is heavily reliant on four guys. And all four of those guys have played pretty much every minute of every match in the group stages. So that is why Japan at plus 275 winning in the 90 minutes is the bet. They're doing it, Toby. The run yeah. continues. Tell me why. Yeah. Tell me why it's not. I want to hear why it's not. Um, my answer is not going to be great, Brett. My answer is basically like it's the way you broke it down is makes it so obvious that I want to go the other way. <laughs> like it just seems too fishy that you're getting plus two seventy five. It does. It seems it really too obvious does. to take yeah. it because like let's let let's you know you said that they played to what should have been a draw versus Spain. They had seventeen percent of the ball versus Spain, and the goal that they scored that put them through the knockout round. I still haven't seen an angle where I thought that ball was yeah. So we're we're talking about like a single blade of grass on the entire Earth's surface that kept them in this tournament versus going home right now. So I don't think that they're you know a complete heavyweight. They are a complete darling though. I mean, I kept talking about Japan being a live dog before the tourney. I advise everyone to keep Spain and Germany out of the two advanced parlays that you wanted to put together. Uh, it's because I thought they were you know. A, a very formidable squad that could surprise people. And they did exactly that. I've enjoyed watching them play. Uh, they became beloved when the story leaked about how they left the locker room in perfect condition yes. upon leaving, which isn't, you know, something that you would expect from what's often associated with very rich and somewhat prima donna class of uh, people known as professional athletes. So I'm going to be rooting for them in this match. I want them to beat Croatia. I'm just not going to be rooting with my money because it, it, it seems fishy to me because it seems so obvious. They, they kind of reek of you know a classic team. We see this in the NCAA tournament. We see this in sports all the time. They have all sorts of backing now because of this momentum and because of the tremendous story and because of the way they won. 
And those stories often get uh, crushed pretty quickly. So if I was arguing for them, I'd give the exact same argument you did about the midfield being gas and old legs and all those sorts of things. And Croatia barely surviving the group stage. It's not like I'm super pro Croatia here, but I just think it's too fishy to take, uh, take either side of that line with a lot of confidence. And as a result, I'll, get, I'll say I, it, if I had to pick, which I do, cause I pick every game, I would take Croatia plus one Oh seven, just to fade your logic and fade the public. Um, but my favorite bet for the game actually aligns with your logic very well. It's Japan to win in extra time. You want to guess what that is? No. What would that line be? I didn't see that one yet. Plus 1,400. Interesting. I, ju- I just gave out a plus 1,400 winner <laughs> during the live game when I gave out Cameroon. And your name, so your name is, is on the plaque. Lucky. Now it's on the top spot on the plaque. My name is on the plaque of giving out a, a live bet live on Spotify that came through. Um, and Japan to win in extra time. If this is nil-nil, if this is 1-1, and they have those subs that are coming on, or and they have fresher legs, and Croatia is completely I love, gassed. I love that. And bet. they got thirty minutes to get a goal. I love the number. I'm not, I'm not saying that this is a you know, a lock because you don't have plus fourteen hundred locks, but I can absolutely see it developing that way. And your logic becomes even more powerful if this game goes to extra time. Yeah, I love that, and I actually kind of want to just pretend that that was my bet all along. Um, no, my, my thing was my, my whole thing with this whole match is I am basically playing the card that Croatia is going to be dead. Um, and that's that their midfield is going to be out of gas and that they are going to just be run over with these, uh, these counterattacks that we've seen from Japan so far. And with that said, I have not been impressed impressed with their attack regardless, other than basically the Canada game where Canada kind of fell apart in the second half. Um, And so Japan to win to nil is plus 400. And I like that. You're talking about a gas Croatia team who's having trouble with their midfielders who power the team, getting the ball into the final third with their best attacker. who's Perisic is, who was already on his last legs before he came into this tournament um, and then just played 200 and what did I say? 264 grueling minutes. Um, you know, there are some other Croatian attackers. Um, Orsic hasn't uh, played and he's been pretty good in the champions league in the last year or so, but like, I don't see where the goals are coming from. And more importantly, I don't see how the ball is consistently getting in dangerous spots. If Broze- Brozovic, Modric and uh, Kova are all, gas uh gas going in this match so yeah and i'd like i'd like japan to win this match i mean I, I do want to hear your prop bet in a second based on the logic but like for for no other reason like i want to see good managing rewarded because we see it so little on the international stage like being more aggressive with the sub and going after the win and, uh, and things like that allow them to beat spain and germany against the odds and i i wish uh say a guy with three g's in his name would learn from it like <laughs> this is exactly why we're all screaming about free geo. He's the lead, one of the least aggressive guy with his subs. He has attackers he could bring on. Japan made it through with a lack of talent through two of the biggest juggernauts in the world. And if they would just free geo at the 60 minute mark instead of the 85 minute mark, I think we'd have a shot to do the same. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think if you were going to create a, a, a perfect national team manager in a lab, you would just cr- combine uh, Hajimi Moriasu and Berhalter into one person. Um, because the, the, the fault with Japan is they play very much. This is the nitpicky thing that we talk about all the time with Spurs is Spurs are really passive in defense. What the U S has done really well is they are really aggressive pressing. It would have been interesting to see this Japanese team 
play with this this amount of rotation, this emphasis on subbing, but also play in the way that like we know that it's better to play soccer, which is pressure the ball further up the pitch, try to win turnovers in the attacking third, not just sit back defensively and let teams kind of wail low percentage chances at you and then break. Um, so it would have been cool to see like a marriage between those two things, but at the very least, we're seeing one really smart thing that they're doing. And in the, in the land of the blind, the man with the one eye is king. And that's really what it's like with international managers. So yeah. uh, the fact that Moriasu is, is, is aggressively subbing is putting him up. And, and that's where, well, that's where I, I feel confident, not the money, not only the money line, but the clean sheet win. So, well, he, he's one of the few guys who I think actually wouldn't be better off by just handing in the lineup card and then disappearing. Right. Like, like so many of the managers are like actively hurting their chances to win. Like I oh, think yeah. Spain's manager that way. I uh, certainly thought Germany's manager that was Argentina's that way. Like manager an empty that bo- could do that. <laughs> yeah, I think an empty box would have been better. And at least Japan, like the box being filled is a net positive for the team. Uh, cool. So you gave out the clean sheet win. Uh, you love Japan. I love Japan too. I hope they win this game. Uh, and I hope they do it in extra time because I'd love to see another plus 1400 come in. So let's move over to the tourney favorites, Brazil versus South Korea, Monday at 2 p.m. So Brazil is going to be minus 400 for this matchup. South Korea is plus 1,200. The draw is plus 500. Brazil minus a goal and a half is minus 135. South Korea is plus 110. To qualify, Brazil is minus 800. South Korea is plus 550. So, uh, Brett, we're guilty of this just as much as everybody else is. Like, Brazil's attack, like, embarrassment of riches at the attack position gets all of the press, gets all of the glory, gets all of the attention. I think it's actually their defense mm-hmm. that makes me feel extraordinarily confident that they're going to win the tournament overall and doesn't get anywhere near as much uh, glory as the guys are getting up top. And for this particular match, a guy like Casemiro, I feel extraordinarily confident is just going to wipe South Korea off the pitch. But whenever Casemiro is out there, as long along with their first choice center backs, they've looked so formidable, so well organized. Uh, they've barely given, I mean, what is it, like four goals coming into the tournament in the last year or something? Some insane stat, and they've absolutely lived up to it. Uh, South Korea saw a lot of space on the ball. Uh, particularly I think it was against Ghana in the round before. I don't think they're going to see any space on the ball. I think they're going to struggle to create. And I think Brazil, with that embarrassment of attacking riches, will have no problem getting at least one, probably getting more. Um, And I don't see how South Korea is going to break that defense down with Sun not at 100%, with not a lot of other creativity, with Casemiro wiping out the counterattacks that they are historically so good at. And I just don't see how they're going to do it. So I'm going to take the adjusted line pretty happily at minus 135. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm right there with you. Uh, I think all your points are are fantastically stated. Um, the, we we do focus on the Neymars and the Rafinhas and the Richarlison's and the Gabriel Jesus's and Anthony's and all that stuff. But it's really the spine of Casimir, oh, Marquinhos and Thiago Silva are unbelievable and then you remember that alice and the best goalkeeper in the world is behind that um so it's they're they are going to uh, suffocate these matches um uh, you know south korea again i think is another team that it's cruel story uh obviously an amazing moment you know we we kind of romanticized about sun but like 
Oh, we talked. I talked about it on Spotify. South Korea actually had their own version of the ninety-first minute goal today. Yeah. Like it was, it was so similar to the Landon Donovan situation. I know it wasn't the very last kick of the game, but they went from eliminated to through to the group because of a super late goal that was very dramatic. So, uh, I mean, I'm so glad that South Korea had that moment, uh, but I think it's their last one. Yeah, no, and, and I think it's one of those things too where you know Ghana was a little pluckier than I than I thought they were. Um, Uruguay was. Uh, disappointing um in a lot of ways um obviously Bentoncourt getting hurt in the last match was not great for them and Portugal as we'll talk about in their matchup against the Swiss were also very underwhelming in my eyes um so you know they're going from an underwhelming group to the favorite and that is going to be a massive step up in the caliber of the competition that they're facing so it's just really hard for me to see anything that resembles a route for them to not uh to cover the one and a half, like, I just don't, I just can't get there. Um, and, and with that, you know, we, we've talked about the defending uh, and I, you know, it means boring and painting all these clean sheet wins, but the Brazil clean sheet win is minus minus one thirty, And I very much trust Allison Casemiro, Thiago Silva and Marquinhos to, to keep the chances very, very low quality. It would take a very magical moment from sun or somebody else to get it on the score sheet. Um, and I definitely think Brazil is going to win. So minus one thirty. I, I take that all day for the clean sheet. Well, hopefully we're more exciting after the break because I have the exact same thing. <laughs> uh, so we don't need to belabor that. Brazil clean sheet win, minus 130. Both Brett and I love that bet, uh, and I will be playing that personally. So let us take a quick break, and then we'll be back with our last two matches, our five pint, and then get you into one of the best uh, four-day stretches of the sports calendar. Okay, we are back, and we are heading over to a matchup between Africa and Europe. This is going to take place at Tuesday at 10 a.m. The teams are Morocco and Spain. Spain is minus 180. Morocco is plus 550. The draw is plus 280. Our friends at Caesars have Spain at minus half a goal at minus 190. Morocco at plus 150. To qualify, Spain is minus 400. Morocco is plus 275. Uh, so, Br- Brett, I think we actually differ here. I thought the loss to Japan was a little more fluky than you did. And I think Spain have actually on the whole looked better than I expected coming into the tournament. The main reason I think that is Alvaro Morata has been surprisingly influential for them. And entering the tournament, my biggest question about Spain was where exactly were the goals going to come from besides just, you know, who could pass it into the net, but who could actually create like a, a classic goal up top. And Morata's done a pretty good job of resembling a striker for once in his career. Um, I don't think the moment has been too big for either Gavi or Pedri, who are the teenage midfield that are taking over for absolute legends in Spain. I think they've looked really strong throughout this tournament. And I think, you know, despite their age, maybe it's because of their age, the moment doesn't look too big for them. Uh, They look ready to take on anybody. So I'm not sure that they have enough to make it through the finals, but I do think they have enough to at least make it another round. Morocco is a great story. I traditionally do reap for African clubs because, you know, nobody's ever reached the semifinals out of Africa. And I'd love to see that trend end. Um, And I think they outplayed Belgium in the group, but outplaying Belgium is no longer the feather in the cap. It might've been 10 days ago. And now it looks like just, you know, kind of beating up on, on a group of retirees. So at the end, they rely way too much on, uh, on Ziyech. 
for me to be comfortable putting any money on them. So I'm going to take Spain in the 90 and lay the minus 180. Yeah, I mean, uh, we we do differ. Uh, this is probably the one where actually I, I do move a little bit. Like if you looked at the raw underlying numbers from Morocco, it doesn't paint the most flattering picture. Um, but the thing I've liked about this team um, is they have been really, 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 really good defensively this tournament so far. Um, and I think that is what gives you a puncher's chance in any knockout round game, right? Like if you can limit the quality of opposing chances, um, you're going to be right there. Low scoring games definitely favor the underdog. Um, and, and let's be honest too. Like if we had Yusuf and Nassari as our striker in the U S we would be going absolutely bonkers over that. Um, and he, and he's another guy that he's not Dembele in the terms of the fact that he's battled injuries and come back. Um, but he's a solid striker. He plays for Sevilla. Um, he's had really good goal seasons at a very high level in La Liga. Um, and that front line really with him and Sofan Buffal, who's a Southampton, well, South, shout out to a Southampton legend. Um, and then Ziyech, they're all capable, high level attackers essentially. Um, and then you throw in Hakimi on one fullback side and uh, it's Mazari, I believe is on the other who plays uh, for Bayern after he moved from Ajax. Like there's quality level players that, that are all over this Moroccan team. And that's not even mentioning someone like Roman Sayus who spent a long time um, at center back playing for Wolves. So like, this is not like some pushover, like happy go lucky um, African side that's made it out. Like this team is solid. They're, they're good. They're going to challenge Spain. Um, I am, am just less impressed. I, I know, I know you, that you're part of the, the regular crew. Murata has some warts. He's had some very high profile floppings in some areas, but he is definitely like an above average big five striker. Like the dude's good. I, I agree that I, I think the fact that he's been playing well in this tournament is really helpful to them. I just am a little bit worried. I think if, if the Costa Rica match wasn't such incredible finishing, and we saw Germany like on the flip side of that, where they created a ton of chances and underperformed their XG in a match. They scored four goals against Costa Rica. Um, I think we look at Spain's progress a little differently. It goes from a pretty sound beating of a pretty poor team to a couple of even matches. Yes. The ball was over the line, maybe against Japan. And that led to one of those chances that even up the underlying numbers, but I'm just not as bullish on them anymore. I, I think they've gotten a lot out of Danny Olmo, who hasn't really been that great. Um, and I, I kind of like waiting to be like, well, when is Danny Olmo going to be the like club Danny Olmo and not like superstar Danny Olmo? Um, so the draw is where I ended up gravitating towards that plus 280 number. I think Morocco is going to grind this match to a halt. I think they have enough there to limit the chances. I do think Spain, it just the attackers aren't there. I'm not a huge Fernand Torres fan. We know Murata has stretches where he can have some pretty ugly matches. I feel like Danny almost playing above his head and Gabi and Pedri are incredibly talented, extremely good technical players, but they're not goal scorers. Um, so this is a team that is kind of lying. That was the question of Spain is like, who's going to put the ball in the back of the net. They're going to possess it. They're going to have all this possession. They're going to control the ball. They're going to have these fancy interplays to move the ball up the pitch, but like who's going to put it in the back of the net, right? Murata's kind of answered that question. Um, they obviously put a ton in the back against, against Costa Rica, but we've seen from the numbers that that was some pretty fluky finishing. So that draw to me looks like the best bet. I think they might get it done in extra time. I think betting them to advance is still has a little bit of value, but 
in in the full 90 minutes, I think Morocco is going to hang punch for punch. I think this is a, a match that's going to go down to the very last second, and we're getting plus 280 to see if it, if it ends up level. Hmm. Okay, straight draw. I thought you might end up with the double chance, but I like the draw. It is a higher number. Um, I, for my prop, I'm going against the grain, and I know I'm going against the grain, but I think I got a better number because of it. Uh, both teams to score, yes, is plus 115. Um, I think this, in a typical World Cup game between you know two sides such as this, would end up being a minus number, but I think a lot of people saw what you saw with Morocco defensively. I don't think they're so tough to break down that they're going to break, I'm sorry, blank Spain, but I also think Spain is so open to these counterattacks once you know their possession-based system gives up and a rush comes the other way. Uh, that both of them have an excellent chance to get on the score sheet. Both, I think, are more than likely or not to score. So to get a plus number at 115 instead of a minus is something I'm happy to play. Yeah, and and for me, I, I, I got sort of along those lines, but that under two and a half goals, the line sucks. Uh, it's minus 140. It's not super great. Like, you're not going to, like, drool over it. But, I mean, I can't think of the ways this game gets the three goals unless it's Spain 2-1. Is kind of the only yep. outcome that I really see that is like in, in plausible, non-fluky luck territory that carries you over the top. So you pay a little bit of a price, but like you're really tr- only fading, in my opinion, one outcome uh, over the 90 minutes. Yeah. So I think that's worth it. I don't know. Maybe you can maybe you'll tell me otherwise in from your perspective. But like, I think you pay up to take that line. Yeah, I don't think minus 140 is that horrible. I do think Spain 2-1 is a plausible outcome. I mean, like, yeah. For a game like this, I, I I know this is against most of what we say, but I'm not as high on Morocco's defense as, as you are and some other people are. So I think 2-1 is a more likely outcome than 0-0 mm-hmm. um, or even maybe fair, like yeah. 1-0. So I, I think it's a fair price. I don't think it's like a great value or a bad bet either way. I think it's the right price for the bet. Yeah, I, I mean, and I, I totally get that too. And like I said from the start, like m- part of this match is more like my feel about kind of the Moroccan team in general than it is like these underlying numbers are making something crystal clear saying this is how it's going to wind up. Cool. We got one game left, guys. Uh, sorry if my energy is fading. I haven't felt all that good in the last couple of days. So I did what any patriotic American would do. I hopped a flight to Cutter and I rolled around on the sheets of the Netherlands players. I just be horrible <laughs> if they caught what I had and they weren't able to make it to the game tomorrow. We just real, horrible. I feel real so hero, bad for them. You're the real hero. Yeah. Uh, so last match we have is Portugal versus Switzerland. This game is Tuesday at 2 p.m. Portugal is minus 115. Switzerland is plus 340. The draw is plus 250. Portugal minus half a goal is minus 115. Switzerland is minus 105. To advance, Portugal is minus 215, and Switzerland is plus 175. So, uh, obviously, we just saw Switzerland end. We were on Spotify Live during that match. This is probably the one you and I have done the least collective homework on, so we're flying a bit by a suit of our pants, which is a good thing. Oftentimes, your gut reaction is the right reaction. You can only overthink your way out of a good bet. So when I was thinking about this game, Portugal clearly has more talent, but I've been less impressed with them a little more each time I watch them. 
They have tons of stars. They have tons of talent, but they still have a ton of Ronaldo, and that is no longer a good thing uh, for any club, <laughs> club or country that has taken a soccer pitch anywhere in the world. Uh, they also, to me, look really vulnerable on set pieces, and I don't think they're particularly well coached. Meanwhile, the Swiss have exceeded expectations offensively and are still capable of locking down defensively like they did in the second half of that Serbia game where Serbia was desperately going at them, but Switzerland just repelled attack after attack uh, pretty easily. It's not even like Serbia had a ton of near misses, as we sometimes see in that scenario. So given the combination of strengths and flaws, I think both teams end up being designed to play close games. Uh, so as a result, I'm taking that Swiss double chance at the end of the 90 at minus 105. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not even going there. Um, I, I'm taking, well, uh, I'm going to take them to advance straight up. Um, I don't, I don't want draws. I don't want to worry about extra time. I think the Swiss are better. I just think they're better. Like I, I, I think unequivocally uh, that goal, that Romeo Fowler, Fowler goal, um, that was like city-esque the way that they played it. They have been so impressive uh, with their chances they took in the attacking third. I mean, I think one thing that we have to take a step back and look at too, now that we've had the full picture a little bit, is uh, Brazil smashed uh, Cameroon. Obviously, Cameroon ended up winning, but the balance of chances held the Brazil with their B team. Brazil absolutely smashed Serbia, but the match against Switzerland was a tight one. And I think in hindsight, that's kind of a data point that we got to look at as they played what we view as the best team in the tournament, really, really tough compared to the other two teams in their group. Um, obviously that's the only measuring sticks that we have. Maybe Serbia is just absolutely atrocious and it doesn't matter <laughs> that they got annihilated because they're bad. Um, but I, I just, I, I'm all in on the Swiss at this point. I, I think they're, I'm a huge <laughs> Brilliant Bolo stand. I think he's really good. He's I've wanted uh, the club that I rooted for to sign him forever. Um, well, that club is now Leeds, not Everton. Um, <laughs> but I, I like that plus 175 for them to advance. I, they just look really good. They're really well coached. That movement in the final third is great. They got a bunch of guys that aren't like superstar attackers, but they're quality attackers. Um, and they've just looked really organized. And And you brought it up with Portugal. Every match that I watch them, they look worse to me. They look less impressive. They look like a team that I think if they were in a stronger group, doesn't get out. Yeah. And now that uh, Belgium is on a flight home, I think of the pre-tournament favorites, I mean, Germany's gone too, but Germany uh, was at the top of the group. Spain was the top of the group. Of the people that were top of the group beforehand, I think Portugal is the most vulnerable in this round. And if you don't believe that we're just going to have chalk all the way through and you want to take some upsets, uh, I think this is a great one. I think the Swiss are battle tested and played together a lot and uh, really do tend to do well in knockout tournaments. And then, you know, some of the other ones we talked about, such as like Senegal over the English. But if you want to avoid taking all chalk, I think uh, Portugal is probably the top of the vulnerability list. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more with that statement. And and my prop bet, I mean, you should be so proud of me, Toby. You've, this is your clear, your influence is going to be all over this one. I looked long and hard for little things that I thought would find some edges here. And the one that I like the most, and I, I think you might agree with me on this one, is the first goal of the match going to the Swiss was plus 160. And with that conservative style that Portugal plays, I love that bet. Uh, I thought it was a, it was a really interesting number. Um, it's definitely a Toby bet, but I'm going to steal that. 
so tell me, Toby, am I am I doing the, your my impersonation of you correctly? Yeah, I'm getting worried. <laughs> like eventually, you're not even going to need me on this pod. You're just going to need to be able to throw your voice a little bit, and you can and do just, both sides. Just an AI, AI generic Toby response. This is all I need. <laughs> uh, well, uh, AI generic Toby bot would spit out this bed absolutely. Uh, not just the one you gave out, but the one I'm going to give out. It, it's it actually is kind of uh, related to yours. I have Portugal to score in first half. No, at minus one hundred five. They've come out slow in basically every match. I mean, they did get that one pullback goal in the fifth minute, but outside of that chance, I didn't think they were particularly dangerous. They come on. They tend to come on later in the match. Uh, and I just love the idea that in this World Cup where we've seen nil-nils over over, or over and over again in the first half, 1-0, whatever it might be, one of the teams I trust the least to come out and get an early goal, I'm getting almost even odds at, yeah. at minus 105. Yeah, that's a really great bet. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like you said, it's in the same vein of the, the one that I'm thinking of. Um, but yeah, I... I I just think that this is going to be, they're going to set up way too conservatively for this match. And I think the Swiss have been super impressive when they've gotten the ball in dangerous areas and turning that possession into really dangerous chances. So both those bets seem really, really good to me. Yeah, I agree. And I, I do think the Swiss will come out in a bit more of a defensive prose and like this will be a bit of rope a dope. Like they're going to wear Portugal out. Like they're going to play a defensive side, counter attack, and then in the second half, uh, maybe open it up a little bit more when Portugal's worn down. I will, and I'm, I, we got to go because we're up against the hour. I will say, like we talked about earlier, like the, ooh, that guy with Dembele. One of the uh, most disappointing players I've found in this tournament has been uh, has been Jao Cancelo. Like, I thought he was going to be more influ- influential for Portugal, and he's been almost invisible through this tournament. Like, have you watched a Portugal? Like, we watch Man City, and he does five things a match that kind of, like, turn my heart inside out. He's almost invisible on this team. Like, do you have any tactical reason for that? Uh, I mean, I think part of it is just going to be <laughs> the setup for the the way they play. It's like you're you're going from Pep Pep Guardiola uh, to Fernando Santos. Like that's you couldn't go to probably more two different idea two further apart ideologies, right? And what what Pep does is he basically allows Cancelo to play like a midfielder, like a creative, like attacking eight. It's essentially what. Cancelo's role is, even though he's a fullback with Santos, he's more of a traditional fullback, right? Like that's, that's the difference. It's like you have this super innovative manager and this really creative kind of positionless uh, possession style for Cancelo to shine and have his creativity come through and those crazy outside of the foot passes that come off um, to create amazing goals. And then here it's just more like you're a fullback, like you're going to defend and you're going to help support in possession and the creativity is going to be left to our attacking players. So he's just stifled. And and this is the whole, uh, I mean, this is the whole critique against Portugal. They have a bunch of players that can, that I think are much better than we see, but they are put in this very conservative kind of like bland approach and it just stifles everybody. Yeah, well, it's breaking my heart because I love that guy and to watch oh, we know. him, you know, we know Toby. be, comp- be He's completely on your Mount muzzled. Rushmore of soccer players. We know. Yeah, well, not anymore. Tyler Adams is all four faces. <laughs> uh, okay, let us get to the five pint and get out of here. As I said earlier in the show, congratulations to Brett. He ended up pipping me in November 30.7 to 30.3. 
Uh, he just barely beat me. It's the second month that he's won by less than half a pint. So good for him. I don't know what half a pint looks like. I go from full to empty far too fast. I guess you probably have a little bit more familiarity with it. Uh, so congratulations to you, pal. I, I definitely owe you. Well, let's start off December now. Um, oh, and I should mention both of us in the month of November, November were more than five units to the positive. So we both put up 25 pints and we both exceeded 30 pints. So being plus five units for a month is pretty solid when you're uh, when you're giving out picks every week. So my five pint Brett for the knockout round, and this includes all games, all games, not just the games talked about on this pod. So you can probably guess where I'm starting the United States of America and Netherlands. I believe that the first goal of that game will happen after the 30th minute. And I'm getting plus 100 for that. Super excited about that bet. We talked a lot about it uh, on the Wednesday edition. France at minus 1.5 is minus 120. Brazil minus 1.5 at minus 135. Portugal to score first half no is minus 105. And Brett, for my final pint, all I have to say is I regret I have but one pint to give for my country. USA! 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 And not only on the win, not only just to advance, I am taking the United States of America on an exact scoreline. One to zero, baby. One to zero tomorrow. Uno a zero at plus 950. I don't know exactly where the goal is going to come from. I don't know exactly what it's going to come from, but I know we are holding Netherlands to zero. I know we are getting on the board, and I know we are going to the next round, and I'm getting 10 to freaking one, Brett. Woo! You clearly forgot that I'm watching the match with Harry tomorrow, and our combined juju is going to bring everything down. <laughs> but no, I, I love it. I, I really think we need to start having like some patriotic song playing in the background when you start doing your five points with this World Cup, but if they advance again, <laughs> There's definitely going to be we're getting my we're getting meatballs to to queue up something for the next one. Um, hey, I've been accu- I've been accused of being in the bag for the USA, and I'm absolutely guilty. I will point out that I am a profitable better on the USA in this tournament. Yeah, no, of the, I, of the games I've given out, I, I got the draw against England, I got the win against Iran, I got the time of the goal scores in two of the three matches. Uh, I got my other prop in the United States. So, like, yes, I am in the bag. But guess what? They're performing, and the odds haven't adjusted yet. So, not only is it tremendous to uh, watch them, not only is it tremendous to root them on, not only is it tr- tremendous to enjoy that experience. They're actually good for gambling. Yeah. I mean, it's a good bet. Like there's nothing wrong with that bet. I just, I would prefer to hear it when like hail to the chief or something is playing behind you. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I don't have any us bets. I, I couldn't bring myself to get there. Good. Um, good. I Stay did, far away. And I didn't. And exactly. I didn't want to have my stink be all over it. So um, I, my five are, I got the Dembele assist. Obviously I, I ranted and raved about that one. Plus 150 for Dembele to have an assist. Uh, Messi to score just by itself. Uh, going to eat the price tag at minus 162. I am going Japan to win. Plus 275. That is making the five pint. Um, I am going the under of two and a half goals in Morocco and Spain at, at minus 140. And then last but not least, uh, the Brazil clean sheet win. Minus 130. I'm going to trust a good team to do a good thing. And Allison better not let me down. So yeah, very bland, so, very bland bets for me this week other than Japan, but uh, we'll see what happens. 
So right now, end this pod, go put in your United States of America bets that I've given out. And when they lose, you can chase all weekend with the winners that Brett just gave because those are all great ones. (laughs) Thanks, buddy. Okay, uh, here we go again into the mixer, into the emotional mixer. I don't know what all you have planned for tomorrow morning, but I sure hope it's to watch the game. I hope it's to watch it with a crowd. hope it's to watch it with loved ones. I hope it's to make some memories, whether they're cherished or painful. The fact that you care and the fact that you're in the group and the fact that you're in the collective is the thing that matters most. This transfer of energy and this thing that we're being able to enjoy together, we might only be able to do one more time, but we might have another one next week. We'll find out tomorrow morning, uh, and I hope you really enjoy the game. I hope you enjoy the rest of the knockout games because this is one of the best times that there is in sports. It's the best event. It is um, going to be ruined by FIFA. So enjoy this edition while we have it. <laughs> I shouldn't have ended on that down note. So let me go out the same way. It's a good reminder, though, that like enjoy this while we have it, because this has been this week has been awesome. Like live in this moment. So. Yeah. yeah. Enjoy when, it. When you hear my voice, when you hear my voice again, there'll only be seven meaningful matches left of the 63 that we were facing at the beginning or 64, that, or 63 that we were going to have at the beginning of the tournament. So, uh, oh, one last thing I wanted to say, and then we really will go. I, I know I talk about a lot about the USA and the connective, the connectivity and going out and seeing in a group. There are plenty of French bars out there. There are plenty of bars where people are rooting for England. Like, be a tourist. Find something in your town where people are going to root for a team that's not the United States of America and draft off their energy. Like, those people care just as much about their team as we care about America. And it's just fun to be around people that care and are so passionate about something in a condensed period of time. So even after the USA game, go find a bar for people that support the other teams and just sit in the back and enjoy it. And on that note, Brett, I think I'd like to go out the same way I went on Wednesday. If you will join me, you. we will face Netherlands down tomorrow, and we will all be cheering. USA! 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 <laughs> all right. Have a great weekend, everyone. Take care, y'all.